Hey guys, what's up? It's Greg with Cinematics. Before we start Cinematics episode 184, I made a little change. I Instead of putting the interview with Kira Elise Gardner, the filmmaker behind Living with Chucky, at the end of this episode, I'm actually bringing her up. So she is the writer-director of the new documentary, Living with Chucky. It is available in the U.S. and Canada on all major digital platforms. Both Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes really dug the documentary. I have not seen Living with Chucky as of yet. Definitely want to see it. Really excited to check it out. But here first is Eric Holmes' interview with writer-director Kira Elise Gardner for Living with Chucky. And then in the show notes, you can go right. If you don't want to listen to this interview with Eric and, and Kira, you can just go right on to our episode. I will put the time marks, timestamps on our show notes. But... I don't know, Living with Chucky sounds very interesting. Definitely can't wait to see it. Check out the Bruce and Eric's review of the documentary as well within the episode, okay? So it's a jam-packed episode here, starting off with Kira Elise Gardner for Living with Chucky, and then we go into a 90-minute episode of Cinematics. Just a lot of movies to cover. The good news is most of them are really, really good, including Living with Chucky. And you know what? I'll, I'm going to do a rewind of Living with Chucky next week, and I'll tell you my thoughts on this doc. All right, guys, here is the interview with Kira Elise Gardner. Check that out, and then after that, stay a while and listen to our episode. Thanks for supporting us, and talk to you guys soon. Bye. I view him as a little brother. So you literally grew up with somebody like you grew up with them in the family. It's showtime. It's kind of interesting to have done the voice of something that is actually a bigger star than you are. The slasher genre was ready for a burst of new blood and Chucky supplied that in spades. It was a new kind of horror figure. Those movies were about the villain many movies later and now a television series. If you got asked to do a Chucky movie, you can't really say no. I was thrilled to be injured and throw acid in my face even better. I just had a ball. You can ask your dad. Your dad is always, <laughs> always in the corner on the floor. We're the ones bringing him to life. And you have to really find a collective mindset to make the character work. I set out to meet all these people surrounding the franchise whose names had been a big part of my childhood, but I never had the chance to meet. You know, all of us were like a, a family. So there is very much a wonderful familial flavor to it. <laughs> to be a part of something that so many people love is really surreal. For such a large group of people to be invested in a story that has been told for over 30 years, and to be a part of that is truly special. I am Chucky, the killer dog, and I dig it! <laughs> all right, all right. All right, all right. So it's uh, Kira Gardner? Yes. I'm here with Kira Gardner, and I just uh, watched uh, Living with Chucky a couple times. This is uh, that. So going in, I'm thinking. Well, first of all, going in, Emma sent this to me, and anytime Emma sends me something, I get excited because I know it's going to be something special. And uh-huh. this did not. This did not disappoint. Um, <laughs> it, it goes. It starts off is a documentary about the making of like all the all all the Chucky movies. And then the last half hour takes a turn, and I absolutely adored that part. Um, oh. The the sense of camaraderie and family and openness, everyone and joy everyone has around being each other was uh, really came through in your documentary, and so oh. nailed that. Thank you. 
So um, I guess uh, also one of the things I like, uh, I guess I'll mention this. Uh, you had a framing device of the Chuck because you're going through the Chucky movies. You start playing the, the VHS tapes. And then at some point you get to the DVDs and you start putting in the DVDs. I thought that was a really interesting framing device. Uh, it kind of gives you the era that it's in without, you know, plastering the year on the uh, screen. What, what, how, how did that come about? Yeah. Uh, thank you for noticing that. <laughs> because I was like, I don't know if anybody will appreciate this as much as I do, but oh, I do. Uh, yeah, it's like, first of all, your worst fear as a documentary filmmaker and a talking head documentary is openness people are going to be bored we need some visual uh breathers and so I think that served as a way to break it up but exactly that was my intention to show how long the franchise has lasted going from VHS to Blu-rays and I actually was inspired to do that from the Ted Bundy tapes on Netflix and their title sequence uh involves like a tape recorder and you seeing a bunch of different years on it and and things like that. And I was like, oh, there's definitely a way to do this, not with a tape recorder, but I uh, with VHSs. Um, so my parents still happen to have our VHS uh, player and it was over COVID. So I uh, went to my parents' basement and just filmed all of that in a day by myself. And so is this uh is this going to be I imagine it has to be. It almost has to be, but uh, is there a box set, a Chucky box set and th- this documentary is going to be featured in that, right? Yes, no. A Chucky box. Oh, like uh like Universal's box sets? Yeah, cuz like the cuz normally you got a box set and you got a documentary, but this this is the documentary. Like if you're put putting out a box set, this is the you can't not put this in there. It has to be. I, that's a great question. Uh, well, I obviously did this independently from Universal, so it's up to them. But that's a great, uh, I would love for that to happen. Maybe if Chucky fans are a- as adamant as you are, that'll be a possibility. Because that's what happened with my short documentary of this, is it's on the um, Cult of Chucky bonus features and box sets so that would definitely make sense i'm not opposed to that i hope that that could be worked out in the future because you got to have the documentary on the dvds yeah and and also um uh you know the in the you got your uh you get to work with your dad on this uh, i also got to work with them on uh studio 666 which another movie which was a banger um and then i believe cult of chucky as well I, I you, you've done a you've done a bunch of stuff, but what, what's it like working with family and friends? Because that, that's just got to be like making a movie in your backyard, just a ton of fun. Yeah, that's kind of what Studio Six 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 felt like was making a movie in your backyard. Because I just got to carpool with my dad to set every day, and uh, but it, it's interesting because I grew up visiting my dad in the makeup trailer and seeing what my dad did at work. But the, now, these past few years, it's like the first time where I am stepping into that makeup trailer as an equal, and I am also hired on that like production to do my job. And so it was really cool to finally have that dynamic with my dad. And it was so fun. Uh, I, I don't know how to describe it other than being really fun, but also... Um, very very cool to watch like him do his stuff fully in action you know studio 666 I got to see the entire process of how they made everything and then being there on set for it 
And I'm, I love practical effects. So getting to see every facet of that movie from like conception to my dad actually doing it on set, I was so ecstatic and, um, and vice versa. I think my dad (laughs) probably thought it was interesting to see me work and interviewing the band on set and things. And then, um, we actually worked together on the Chucky reshoots for season two, of Chucky. Um, I helped puppeteer cause I've puppeteered Chucky on what I could, uh, w- or was allowed to, since I was like 15, anything that's been in LA. And that was really fun as well to just work together and collaborate. And, uh, as well as with the other puppeteers, it's, it's cool. That's all I want to do in my career is just make movies with my dad's effects. It, it looks like just about everything you could do in a movie, writing, directing, editing, makeup work, you know, like all sorts of stuff. What What's your favorite aspect of film? Like if you could pick one to do for the rest of your life, what, what would that, what would that job be? Definitely directing. Yeah. And, and what is it about that, that, that kind of juices you up, I guess? Uh, Well, I have a particular vision for what I, <laughs> I want to do. So I want to be the one to do it, but also it allows you to collaborate a, I just like collaborating with people and that allows you to collaborate with so many different departments rather than just your own. You have to be involved with the writers, producers, the production design, um, special effects makeup. You kind of get to have your hands in everything without taking on the stress of it all. And um, actors, I love, although I haven't done a whole lot of narrative yet um, since I kind of dove into documentary filmmaking first, I love getting to work with actors and go through the process of why I, if I didn't go to film school, I wanted to go, be in psychology or criminology at one point. So um, just why we do the things we do and choices and, and things like that. I, I love getting to to work through that type of stuff and there's nothing like directing. Um. Actually, speaking of directing or second unit directing, you did that on Studio Six Six Six, if I'm correct. Um, what what is that? I, I've that it's like it's like a it's a credit I've seen in a lot of movies. I'm not quite sure what exactly that is. Yes, I actually i IMDb is not correct in that. Oh, okay. I didn't direct second unit. I directed the making of that movie. So, um, which is a whole other. It's basically basically like a documentary. But second unit directing is um, where the director is busy with one thing that's scheduled that day, and say you need like insert shots of a stunt car driver or something like that that's in the same facility or a different area. You'll have like a secondary director go do the more uh, less performance-based pieces or like stunts. A lot of times stunt um, coordinators will direct second unit for stunts if the director can't be there. And also um, back to living with Chucky, uh, you got some great interviews, not, not just the family stuff, which is really touching, um, but you have probably one of the greatest character actors ever in Lynn Shea. She's great and everything. Um, I, I just want to take some time to, uh, pray at the altar of Lynn Shea, if I may. Okay. Yeah. Same, same though. She's but, uh, you got, you got her, you got John Waters. John Waters is always, always fun. Like uh, what do you get, do you get nervous or do you get excited? Like th- I imagine, um, interviewing John Waters or Lynn Shea, it's like, okay, interviews over. Let's just hang out. Yeah, actually with Lynn, it was like that because I had met Lynn, um, 
briefly two, two times before that. And we did it at her house and it was, that was exactly the vibe. She was like, you should come hang out sometime. We'll have tea. And she's just the sweetest uh, person who just happens to play (laughs) some of the craziest characters. But uh, yeah, I was, I was more so intimidated for John Waters interview especially because I flew to New York to get other interviews and then drove down with my cinematographer to um, Baltimore and it was at his house. So it was so intimidating to go to John Waters home and interview him there. And uh, he was in the middle of writing a book at the time. I'm not sure if it's out yet or what the title is, but he was so gracious to set aside time for us. So he was like downstairs with his writing team um, and assistants. And then um, while we were setting, you know, we set up everything and then he came up for the interview and then was so busy. He had to go right back to it, but that was the the same uh, sentiment as well there of just, I wanted to pick his brain for so many hours after that and hang out with him. He was so funny Um, but yeah, that it's interesting because both of those people, you know, my dad met Lynn on there's something about Mary, I believe was the first movie they did together. And then obviously John Waters, uh, and my dad knew each other from seed, but also then my dad worked on hairspray later. So they've both kind of also in a weird way, been distant family, And, uh, and now they're not in the Chucky family, but distant family that I was getting to spend more time with and meet on a deeper level, which was really cool and weird. Yeah. And, and also in the documentary brings up the, uh, the story about, you know, Chucky kind of, you know, performance is done. Chucky goes down and then comes up and tells him to fuck off. But in the, you lean into that, you know, it's, it's not just a funny story. It kind of, uh, kind of highlights the artistry behind puppetry. And I, I I think that that really comes through as well. Um, you know, between that Gremlins, uh, uh, Jim Henson, you know, Muppet stuff, but the, uh, the, the way that puppets kind of come alive when you have a team, like, I, I don't know how many people are working Chucky at one time, but the coordination and artistry behind that and the teamwork behind that is, uh, pretty great. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, depending on what type of movement is happening, it's, anywhere between four to seven people to sometimes more if they have uh, the crew available for it. Cause uh, yeah, it, there, there is so much that goes into operating a puppet, but also a puppet that utilizes some animatronics and some old school green screen rods. So you really have to think as a collective team. And I don't think we highlight that enough for any puppeteer team on whatever they're puppeting, but especially Chucky, because the, there are so many limitations and the fact that he's a three foot doll is like, somebody's got to be over here. You know, everybody's like contorting their bodies to be out of the shot or what have you. And that's a lot harder when it's a smaller puppet too. Yeah. I've got one final question. Uh, Cause my, my uh, seven year old nephew uh, when I told him I was interviewing someone that works on the Chucky movies, well, I, I'm talking with the director of uh, Chucky documentaries. I don't know what a documentary is, but Chucky. But, uh, <laughs> he, he wanted to know. Andy's been nice to him, so why is he trying to get into Andy's body? Aww, that's a great, great question to ask. 
I'm not the writer, but uh, so I can't speak for Don Mancini. But, you know, I think it's a lesson in innocence and kindness. It's kind of like if if you've seen the Scooby-Doo live action movie where they needed like a pure soul, which was Scooby-Doo. It's kind of the same thing of like you can't get any purer than Alex Vincent, seven-year-old Alex Vincent, six-year-old Alex Vincent. Um, yeah, because because that was never Chucky never wanted a friend. He he wanted a meat sack to put his soul in. Yeah. So what better? It, it was just fate, honestly. The stars were aligned. Yeah. Well, I understand that, but I'm not seven. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a great like question to ask as a seven-year-old. But uh, Kira, thanks very much for uh, uh, coming on with me. And really love the documentary. It goes uh, in directions I did not expect. And congratulations on it. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey, everyone. It's another week of Cinematics. This is Cinematics episode 184. I'm Greg Srizabosti, full-time Manny Nanny. I am joined. I'm not a nanny anymore, but I like saying that because I love my niece Claire so much. I'm joined by my betters. Bruce Perky. What is your title, Bruce Perky? You are Emeritus what? Emeritus what? Apparently I'm Bruce the Butcher. It's my wrestling name and my direct, (laughs) my editing and uh, yeah, my, uh, my critique name, I guess. Okay. You can call Bruce, Bruce Perky. You can call him Bruce. You can call him Bruce the Butcher. What is your best, your best at butchering what, Bruce? I mean, give me any kind of meat and I'll butcher it. Okay. That doesn't sound like an innuendo. That sounds like war. I'm also we're also joined by Eric Holmes. Eric Holmes, what is your title? Job title occupation? What do you want us to call you? Are you a ham slam? Are you a Woody Wood pickle? Are you an Eric Holmes? Are you a Holmes Eric? What are you? I'm whatever you need me to be, but in my heart, I'm just a dude. You're just a dude wearing a Greg Srizavosti find your film a shirt. What what shirt are you wearing? To be more precise. Greg Slick, Eric Holmes is hard at work, has been hard. At, oh, and what is, what are you? Oh, Bruce Perky, did you just buy a find your film shirt from, was that what, from way back in the day that you bought it? Yes. Yeah, from way back in the day. Oh, wow. I, I can't break the seal and buy something from the new one until other people do. <laughs> Bruce, how is that find your film shirt? To be honest. It's, I, it's I, soft and luxurious. It caresses my body. It makes me a little less butcherous. So I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the shirt, Bruce. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's pretty good. (laughs) Yes. Eric Holmes on our Find Your Film podcast, which houses the merch of cinematics and Find Your Film, is Bruce Perky's Find Your Film podcast black shirt still available on our merch page or did you take it down? Uh, They're still on there. So there's some of the old designs we couldn't use anymore because of the the stuff in the background. So I, I redesigned some of them so we could use them. Uh, oh, okay. I, I, I think they saw the Freddy Krueger on one of them and they're like, nope, can't do that. And we're like, son of a. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. Bruce, so sure. for anyone who wants to like, you know, really pony up the dollars for this one off of my <laughs> body, it is a collector's edition now and it has been stage worn. So 
Oh, go. <laughs> it's got the it's got the fresh blood from the butcher still on it. It's got that butcher funk. <laughs> Stage worn. It sounds like which all- is also my band's name. It's butcher funk. <laughs> all three of us seem stage worn. I love that description of the shirt, and maybe all three of us we are worn down, maybe worn up, or maybe we're excited about the level of movie quality this week. Bruce, what do you think of the quality overall looking at our Google Doc? Do we have a diverse amount of films? Are you excited about pretty much a lot of them? Is it Has it been discouraging? What has it been for you, Bruce? I am moderately to relatively pretty exciting, excited about all of the picks today. I have a lot of good stuff here today. A lot good of really to great, good. mostly. Okay, there's a Bob Ross movie. I'm kidding. The movie's called Paint. Is that a Bob Ross movie, Bruce? Paint with... Well, I don't think anyone's robbing his corpse financially. So no, there is no Bob Roberts, Bob, whatever his name, Bob Roberts. That's the other thing. That's the rapping beady movie. Yeah, that's I love that Bob Roberts film directed by Tim Robbins way back in the day. I was a college student when I first saw Bob Roberts back at UCLA. Bob Roberts. Did you remember the first time you saw Bob Roberts? Eric Holmes directed, I believe, by Tim Robbins and starring him. Did you have you seen Bob Roberts? Have you ever seen that movie? It doesn't ring a bell. I don't no, think so. It does, does not ring a bell. Wow. I, Eric Holmes is a little bit younger than me and Bruce. I think Bruce and I remember Bob Roberts, maybe during our college years, during our salad days. You remember yeah. when it was a big hit uh, for you? I might have been a little older than that. I, I already con- confused it with the uh, the Warren Beatty movie where he's rapping, so I can't keep track of which is which. Um, so, well, that, that movie, Bruce, was Bullworth, and I actually yeah. attended the press junket and interviewed Warren Beatty. Hashtag Greg Schwarzabossi's dropping names again. But yes, I was at the Bullworth press junket. That was a very good movie. Did you like Bullworth, Bruce? No, no. <laughs> silence. Silence. <laughs> well, before we get to our featured reviews, Eric, I don't want any silence from you. I want a very quick recap on Enos Maine. I was pronouncing it left and right and sideways up and down. Enos Maine. Or Ennis Maine. Ennis Maine. Um, I just mispronounced it. Eric, how do I properly pronounce this movie that me and Bruce pre- reviewed last week? What's the correct I, way? I think it's Ennis Maine. Could be Thank Enos you. Maine, but they like with the uh, pronunciation, uh, they spell it E-N-N-I-S, which I've heard people pronounce that word, Enos and Ennis, so I have no idea. But I, I've been saying Ennis Maine. But so Maine is definitely, it's not Maine. It's definitely Maine. I don't know what the first part is. Okay. So the movie is pronounced. Thank you, Eric. And it's Maine. Bruce and I reviewed it last week. Quick recap. I gave it a five-star banger. It reminded me of Nicholas Rogue films. If you don't know who Rogue is, he directed Don't Look Now, Walk About, all these surreal films. Really love this movie. Shot on film. I believe it was 16 millimeter. Brilliant, brilliant mm-hmm. film. Bruce liked it a little bit more than me. I think he gave it, what did you give it, Bruce? In, well, and this man, yeah, yeah, one star. You gave it. Oh, that's not. Is that not a good review? One star. Is that? I mean, yeah. if you go far enough, it comes back around like a snake eating its tail. And it becomes <laughs> okay. awesome again. Okay, okay, that's one star from Bruce. Five stars from me, Eric. You just recently saw this before we started recording it. What is your thoughts and Ennis Maine? Do you lean more towards Bruce with the onesie or what about me, me with the five star banger? Where where do you land on this spectrum? Well. I do want to see Bruce in a onesie. <laughs> be if I do that, you can buy it off me from, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this, this was, I, I can see where Bruce uh, gets the, uh, the uh, indie porn of this. Cause it definitely has some of that, but I also like the kind of similar to skin of where it's more about how the 
feeling you get or the tone, you know, the tone poem, how it makes you feel. There's, there's, um, a version or there, there's a time when I watch this movie that I hate it. I just happened to, and you guys gave me fair warning. So I just got it at a certain time where I was kind of ready for it. Um, but it's definitely one of those kind of movies that it, I got a lot of like, uh, Maya Darren and Yodorowsky vibes from it where it, it's not so much about what it's about. It's more about how it makes you feel again, yes. like skin and marink. Um, and there's going to certainly be people that hate it. And from what I see, there are people, uh, Bruce being one of them, but uh, Eric, I, I'm having a feeling that you're going on the positive route here. This is a positive review from you leaning more towards positive. But as I mentioned to you guys in the uh, message, so I did that review of Baraka on shrooms. I mm-hmm. wish I watched this on shrooms. <laughs> this would have been a perfect movie for something like that. Cause it's got a, it's got a lot of that kind of uh, if you lean into the movie and let it get inside your head, especially on certain substances, I think it would enhance it more or make it worse. I'm not sure, but the, this is uh this is probably three stars for me. Um, Probably three and a half. But there's like, you know, there's times where I'd watch this where I hate it. And there's times where I'd watch it where I love it. I just happened to catch it on the uh, upswing and I kind of I kind of dug it. Can we make this rating? The Eric Holmes rating is three and a half stars, but maybe for the general public, maybe might be a mild three star rating. Is that fair enough as far as where that goes? This might actually be a three star banger because depending on what where you're coming from, that's, that's where you're going to land with this. Okay. You know, if you're coming from like, Oh God, another one of these, you know, um, I think Bruce mentioned also like give it 10 minutes. And if you're not feeling it, it doesn't change much. I, it gets a little weirder towards the end, but not, not by a lot. Um, but yeah, it, 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 I, I'd say if you give it 10, 15 minutes, you know what you're in for and you're no, and you'll know if this is for you or not. Most women have left me during my dating years. Uh, ten minutes in, they 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 review me like Eric reviews movies. They after ten minutes, they go, "Ah, kind of weird, kind of not well, for me." And it's well, me. you can get in and out ten times in ten minutes. <laughs> oh boy, family show. I don't know what, what what Eric meant by that, but anyways, Eric's rating. I'm going to say three and a half, three. No, let's just go with let's just go with the three star banger with the caveat that some people may. Whether you pronounce it Ennis Main or Men or Enos Main or Ennis Main, however you pronounce it, this is still a very weird movie. And look, heed Bruce's one star review. I don't know. I so, and my, maybe my five star. You might like it as much as me. It's a weird, I, weird movie. Yeah, I, I almost might say also that this would be a movie that I think people would appreciate more than they like. If that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like they, they would appreciate, oh, they're shot on 16 millimeter. It's got a real experimental feel to it. Post sound like sync. It, that, and that's fine. Yeah. They, they sync yeah. the sound after it. You yeah. know, I just, I just wish some of our good friends who are fellow cinephiles really appreciated the artistry of the film. I, I don't know. But you know, you know what I mean, Bruce? I mean, you mean huh? like ADR, the movie? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> Love it, Bruce. Now, before we get to our featured reviews, I'm going to just say right now, the movies we're covering this week for our featured are quickly Paint, Sam Now, One True Loves, Joyland, Living with Chucky, How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Don't don't want to know, but we'll see if it's a good movie. And finally, I think Eric put in at the last minute, Assassin, which I believe is on digital and on demand, maybe in select theaters as well. So we're going through a lot of movies, but we do rotating picks every week now. Eric Holmes will have his rotating pick in a few moments. But we have to get to Bruce's rotating pick this week. Bruce, 
let's let's start off with your pick. Why classic? Where, where are you? F you. Can you start with your rotating pick? And what is it? Uh, well, I wanted to do something that's outside of my normal type of movie, and I wanted to pick a straight ahead B action movie. One that I heard about again recently, and it kind of came back because I think um, how did they are. Uh, what's the um, what's the one uh, with uh, Paul Shear? I forget what it's called. Um, how did this get made? Yes, how did this get made? Had talked about this about six months ago, and it kind of stayed in my back burner of my brain. So I've never seen it before that. So I said, let's watch Stone Cold, and I watched it a couple days before I suggested it, just to make sure I thought it was worth watching, and I believe it is worth watching. From 1991, directed by Craig R. Baxley, I do believe, and uh, yeah. You guys want to kick off what's going on in this movie? <laughs> you know, it's not, it's a rotating pick, Bruce. And last week I did this movie called The Naked Kiss, which is a real okay. movie. And why don't oh, you yeah. start off? Why don't you start it off as I, as I have my, my resentful energy towards so, you? <laughs> so, Mr. Brian Bosworth, for those of you who might be like me and lived through the really, really dog days of the Seahawks. Brian Bosworth, I think, was our first round draft pick as a linebacker, and he crashed and burned very quickly. But like many uh, action stars, he either got, they either come from what, wrestling or football or someplace like that. And he came from football. He's got a, a very bodacious mullet of some sort. It's kind of a skunklet. I don't know what you call it. <laughs> skunklet. I love it. Uh, a word for it. <laughs> and uh, this is kind of like, uh, I think a lot of people said this is kind of the unofficial sequel to Cobra. And I think if you kind of go in with that mental attitude, you kind of get a feel for what this movie is. Basically, he's he's what you get. Renegade cop from Alabama. Oh, there's another connection. Alabama. Renegade cop from Alabama. And he gets uh, enlisted by the, uh, is it the FBI or CIA, I forget. One of those groups enlist him to go undercover in a very... FBI. Yeah, a very dangerous biker gang, which is headed by uh, whatever I wrote down his name, uh, Lance, Lance Hendrickson. Hendrickson. Chains, Chains Cooper, played by oh. Lance <laughs> Hendrickson. And not only are they like you know, biker gangs are pretty rough and tough anyway. You know, running drugs and doing all kinds of nefarious things, and probably have strip joints and stuff. These guys are also Nazi bikers, so they take it even to the next level. And just to add a little more spice to this, there might be shades of the insurrection. By the end of this movie. Oh, very. And, and we also have to mention there is actor William Forsythe. We love William Forsythe, the great character actor over the years, maybe what, what, four plus decades of work. He plays Ice. He is one of the members of the gang. He is the right hand man of Chains Cooper. Again, Brian Bosworth is the lead as Joe Huff from Stone Cold. I don't know if you can glean any kind of acting abilities from Brian Bosworth, but. He is charismatic. He is good looking. And a lot of the movie, he, he doesn't even, he has some maybe tank tops. You see his, you, you see his uh, upper chest a lot. And you, you just see him semi nude with this very skimpy clothing. It, it's weird. It's a, it, it's an interesting movie to say the least. And I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about my feelings on Stone, Stone Cold in a second. I have a feeling while watching this Columbia TriStar release, which came out in 1991. I I was thinking this might be a movie that is straight up an Eric Holmes film. Eric, am I right on this? Um, could be. <laughs> it's got uh, you know, the the Cobra thing makes sense. I mean, the the opening scene is basically ripped straight from Cobra. 
Uh, it's got a bit of Rush from 1991 in there. Um, you know, it's got a little bit of Roadhouse and not quite as good as any of those three movies. Uh, but this is kind of like one of those movies you just you put on, get a bunch of beers with some people and uh, drink and watch and kind of have fun with. Um, Brian Bosworth's uh, coat with the uh, the shoulder things. Um <laughs> He he just like he's just tooling around in the store like oh this is this is what I wear on my day to day I'm like you live your best life Brian Boss <laughs> you have fun with that but was his name Detective John Cold or Detective John Stone or whatever Joe Huff he's Joe Huff he's gonna come yeah. out of there in a huff yeah this is uh this is a completely stupid movie but it's kind <laughs> yes, of it funny it, it's funny stupid so you kind of just roll with it um I'm surprised this is a movie that. This feels like a movie I would have made you guys watch, so I'm kind of surprised <laughs> this is a movie that Bruce made us watch. We have to mention, uh, Bruce mentioned Craig R. Baxley as a director of Stone Cold. The movie was written by Walter Doniger, D-O-N-I-G-E-R. Passed away in 2011, born in 1917. You look at his IMDb, he has some really, just really great credits as a TV director. Directed five episodes of Marcus Welby, MD, Get Chrissy Love, that uh, short-lived but very popular TV series from 75, directed one episode, an episode, uh, three episodes of Kung Fu. He was also a writer. He has previous like 28 writing credits. The point I'm getting at regarding this veteran is I love this movie. I love Stone Cold. I was absolutely surprised at how much I love, love this movie. On IMDb, it has six out of 10 stars. One big reason why I love this film is it just goes completely crazy. There's when there's a when there's a strip club, yeah, there's there's ample nudity. When there's people get when people get killed or punished or tortured, yeah, they they really they really went there. They really went there with a lot. There's a couple of plot elements. There's one big plot element where you're, when you're thinking, oh wait, they're not going to do this to this person, are they? Oh, that just happened. And then there's going to be another thing down the line and go, oh, this is where it's going to happen regarding the subplot, and I can see this happening. Nope, doesn't go there. It goes the absolute dark and mean route. I loved a lot of elements be- behind Stone Cold. I feel this is a highly, highly underrated action film. I love Brian Bosworth in this movie, and I thought I'm surprised that he wasn't um, a bigger star. I he should have done more. I'm sure he's done a lot of ac- action movies or movies since then, but I thought this was a movie that could have propelled him to different heights. And Lance Henriksen. Probably one of my favorite performances from Hendrickson. William so Forsyth, it's always good. And he's both of those guys really chew up the scenery. This is high, a high rating for me. I'm giving Stone Cold an easy. I'm surprised I'm not giving it Stone Cold five out of five, a five star banger. This is a four and a half star rating for me for Stone Cold. Bruce, what do you give it? Um, first of all, I'll give it a three star banger because I think that's honestly where this lives uh, for for most people. But I mean, yeah, I could see people loving it even more because I think there is a lot to be said as far as a, a great villain. Got to have a great villain. It, not afraid to go hard and violent when it needs to, as opposed to kind of wimping out and going like PG style. But I'm going to say three words that would make Eric love this movie. You ready? Yes. R- Rowdy, Roddy, Piper. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if he was the I mean, the lead character instead of Mr. Bosworth, I have a feeling this would be uh, even better for Eric. But that being I said, the Bosworth was great. 
Yeah, I think he's pretty good at what he does here, too. And I think I was reading some trivia about how he had to end up riding his own motorcycle because he wanted he felt comfortable with it. So that's they have all these shots which are helmetless of him actually riding a motorcycle in really dangerous situations. I think a lot of people were probably endangered in the making of this movie. But uh, yeah, if you like action movies, especially dumb 80s and 90s action movies, I think this is right up people's alley. The final act, which we yeah. mentioned insurrection, is fantastic. It's just fantastically done. And, and not going to spoil anything, but just ask yourself as you're watching the final act, who wins in this movie? Right, right. Who wins in the movie? And yeah, because <laughs> if very, you think about what happens, who wins in this movie? <laughs> yeah, just a very interesting movie. I just, I, I just love Stone Cold. Eric, you're waiting on the film. I'm probably also on three star banger. You know, this is a, this is not a good movie i think it's a totally good movie i i just i think it's really perfectly executed for its ilk for what right. it's supposed to be i, I think it's you know the dumb and stupid and silly i mean i i get that i get all of that stuff but i think this is this is a, a cut above what this genre i think i think uh i think bruce is right though like you get like uh someone like a roddy roddy piper or uh uh joko sugi or uh, you know, uh, Michael mm-hmm. Dudikoff, you know, someone in Brian Bosworth, because uh, I'm I'm not that familiar with a lot of Brian Bosworth movies. I did Brandon like Lee. Oh, God, that's cheat codes. <laughs> yeah. Brandon, Bra- Brandon Lee. Uh, now, now I'm getting sad. I wish he was still alive. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to do that to you. But uh, This is bizarro cinematics, by the way, people. This is where we all are in the opposite <laughs> roles of our usual selves. Although, <laughs> like, I, I, could even, I could even see it like a remake of Stone Cold with Scott Atkins as the Brian yes. Bosworth. Like, nope. Fair. Yes. But that said, Brian Bosworth, I think, is charming enough in this. And, you know, I, you can have a lot of fun with this. This, this is not like high art, but, you know, it's not really trying to be. So you kind of got to let that go. But I think three banger, exactly what Bruce said. That's where this lives. We start banging for Bruce and Eric. I flip for this movie. I'm giving it four and a half out of five. Again, written by Walter Doniger. We definitely want to see more of his stuff. Craig R. Baxley, the director of Action Jackson. I actually saw a yes. VHS copy of Action Jackson, and I love that movie as well. So Vanity Craig R. Baxley. Best. <laughs> yeah, yes, Vanity. R.I.P. You love Vanity. Craig R. Baxley, if you're listening. You're the man. Love your stuff. And I, I need to see more of your films. Now let's get to our featured reviews. We're starting with something with from Bruce and Eric. They are going to paint a movie, paint a picture for us. Bruce, with this, what is paint? It opens in theaters April 7th. Tell us about it. Well, before I do that, I think we need to find out from Eric what his oh. rotating pick is. Oh, sorry. Eric, what's your rotating pick? Another another Samuel Fuller film? Maybe 40 mm-hmm. Rifles? I mean, I went... No, I, I was between <laughs> the one that I'm going to pick and Gremlins 2, just so I can make Greg finally watch Gremlins 2. <laughs> but I, what's the other one? I'll keep, I'll keep that in the back pocket for now. But uh, uh, my friend Nick introduced me to this guy, uh, uh, Brett Pittman. Let me make right. sure I got his name right. But he does a uh, he does a, a YouTube podcast called From the Deep, and him and his co-host. And I haven't watched many episodes, so I don't know the name uh, very well. But they do a thing like every month, uh, what we saw that month, and one of the the uh, co-hosts mentioned a movie by Johan Johansson. Uh, you'll know him as the. Uh, you know, he did the music for Sicario. He did the music for Mandy. Um, and he recently passed away. But he directed a movie. And it's called Last and First Men. 
And it's, uh, you know, we were talking about Ennis Main. This is kind of very much in that kind of uh, wheelhouse. It's very experimental. Um, I don't know if you guys will like it, but it might be one of those, like, you'll watch and go, this is brilliant, or you'll watch and go, this is complete crap. We'll find out. But is I it, thought it was... Is narrated it, by Tilda Swinton? Yes. Right. Okay, I, I I know of this movie. Yes, yeah, okay, I, I had I had no idea even directed until I until I watched the From the Deep podcast, and then as soon as he said Yo and Johansson directed that movie, I'm like, wait, what? I got to see this. <laughs> Why is he not credited? It. That's weird on IMDb, but I guess he's somewhere. It's it's I guess you can find it online or something. Yeah, I think I think it's on um, might be on Amazon or other places. It might not. Be. What's the name of the movie? It's uh. Last and First Men. Last and First Men. Okay. Um, yeah, that's weird. It's it's weird. It's not even showing up on IMDb, but I guess maybe he oh, so you, So with uh, Johan Johansson, you have to go at the top. Uh, there's like the two or three credits that he's got, and then it's got other ones next to it. You have to click oh, on other, those, got and it. then those will come up. But he's okay. only got two directing credits. There's this one, and there's a... Uh, there's another one, a short that he did, and I haven't seen the short or found it, but that, it just seemed interesting enough that we should probably bring it to the show. And I credit uh, From the Deep for bringing it to my attention because I had no idea that this even existed. Last and First Men by, okay, I see it. I see it on IMDb. That is our rotating pick, Eric Holmes' pick, starring Tilda Swenton and directed by Johan Johansson, rest in peace. So that is, and he's also one of the credited, one of the three writers on that 2020 feature. Now, it, let yeah, us I go. Think, I, I think it's based on a book or something or a poem, maybe. Okay. I'm not sure. Okay. You can currently watch it on AMC Plus with Prime Video Channels. Opening in theaters April 7th is Paint. It features Owen Wilson as a painter. Kind of looks like Bob Ross. I'm probably wrong on this. Bruce, what's this movie about? You and Eric. Take the reins. Well, it is a very Bob Rossian uh, painter named Carl Nargle. Uh, and it also stars Stephen Root, uh, Clara Renee as Ambrosia, which is basically somebody who comes in and will tell you in a minute about her. And then Michaela Watkins is also another main character in this. Um, so they basically start out and you're on public access, kind of like with Bob Ross. And uh, Carl is established he's a figure and he paints his happy little trees and he paints his paintings it's very very similar and uh you get to see him doing his daily show and uh, his audience as you might guess are you know people at home and elderly people and you know people who are watching pbs tv at two in the afternoon to see painting uh instructions and or inspiration and while you see him doing his uh painting you see he kind of has his own little i guess cadre of groupies sort of like everybody's kind of watching him with doe eyes and it kind of get the idea that he's been doing this for a while and he's kind of got his, his very loyal following, but very, very quickly he ends up having competition. And all of a sudden he is not the new kid on the block. And we have another painter that comes in and is willing to do things. That's a little bit out of his wheelhouse. Like, I don't know, painting an alien spaceship in the middle of the nice forest setting or something like that. And that's kind of your basic setup. Uh, and, and other than that, it's mainly following him around uh, his rise and fall or maybe not fall or maybe shuffle sideways. You have to find out by watching the movie. But it's kind of a character study, kind of a light comedy. 
written and That's directed by Britt McAdams. Eric Holmes, your take on paint. Yeah, it's definitely a, a Bob Ross. And I think this movie, either I'm confused by the movie or the movie's confused about what the message is trying to get across. Because uh, one of the main messages is uh, follow your muse. You know, uh, art is, should come from inside. And oddly enough, this movie doesn't do that. It preaches it, but it doesn't fulfill that. Um, and I think uh, I think that's probably one of the more frustrating things uh, for me watching this. Like with uh, Weird Al Yankovic story, um, you know, it took it took Weird Al, and it kind of you know took the piss out of you know who Weird Al is. But it had fun with it, and it did it within the context of who Weird Al is, so it made sense. This one seemed like it was just kind of uh, crapping on Bob Ross, um, and I don't know Bob. I didn't know Bob Ross, but from all accounts, it seems like a, a weird person to make fun of, especially now that they're dead. Um, and then to say that you need to, you know, follow your muse and art is important. And then this is just kind of a by the numbers comedy because they, they undercut like anytime they do something interesting and anytime they uh, kind of, you know, propel the message that the movie is trying to propel, it always undercuts it with like a really bad joke or a mistimed joke. And, you know, there, there's some of the, there's some funny parts. There's one uh, part particular where, uh, um, you know, she goes in with the uh, the UPS driver, and it looks all magical, and like the door slams shut, and then it rocks twice, and then she wa- does a walk of shame. It's like ha ha, but I don't know. I I think this uh, I, I think this is misguided in a lot of ways, and I think uh, I don't know. Maybe they should do a do over because this <laughs> really did not work for me at all. And in fact, a lot of it I was getting kind of frustrated and sort of angry at and then there was other parts of this like uh the you know towards the end where he's in his cabin you know there's like there's like flashes of stuff in here that's like oh wow that's really good i I really like what they did that and then just immediately like they knew they're like oh this part's really good let's undercut this with the stupid joke it's like oh come on dude (laughs) let me let me come back to you because i kind of agree with you and i think let me see if this, you're feeling what I was feeling with this. I feel like so like it, it kind of shows him as an unsympathetic character pretty clearly, right? Yeah. In a, in a lot of ways. Yeah, he's, but a, he's a complete jerk in this. But it doesn't feel like it's willing to go hard in that direction. Like it's not going to go all the way because it kind of wants you to sympathize with him too. Yeah. Like he is the protagonist and you're supposed to be kind of rooting for him at the same time. And I kept thinking of movies that I think are somewhat in this wheelhouse that work are things like Anchorman, where it goes fully silly. You know, but it's a full parody of a type of broadcasting and you either like yeah. the comedy or you don't, but if you like it, you're going to love it. Whereas I think this kind of hedges its bets all the way around. So even though I, I really like, um, you know, Owen Wilson as a person and he's, and, and the production here was good. And I, I didn't hate my time with this movie. It sounded like you hated it more, even more than I did, but you never felt fully invested either hating him or loving him. Like, and the movie didn't seem to do that either. I, I think so with Anchorman, I think why that works is that Ron Burgundy is not a specific person. It's an true. archetype. That's very Whereas true. Whereas paint is very specifically like it's not Bob Ross. They're totally sending up Bob Ross, which yes. 
And I think they're doing it unfairly because, I, I, again, I don't know Bob Ross, but everything you hear about him, he is not the guy that Carl Nargo is supposed to be. He's almost a polar opposite. And so you get kind of mixed messages there. Like if this existed in a universe where Bob Ross was a person and he wasn't anything like Bob Ross, but he was trying to be the next Bob Ross, then you could have done anything with this guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Okay, so ratings for paint, I guess this is sort of might be a not a recommend. Let's start with you, Eric. What is your rating on paint? Oh, yeah. I'll probably go two stars on this. Uh, like, like I said, like the, the bones and like everything about the like movie on a technical level is really good. Um, it's just misguided and for me, completely misses the mark. Bruce, I'm two and a half. I, I think I enjoyed it a little bit more, but I'm almost in the same camp as Eric, though, pretty much step by step. I, I think I agree with everything he says. I just had a little more fun with it than he did, but not a lot, a lot more fun. So. Oh, okay. So that is, you know, Owen Wilson is Carl Nargle in paint in theaters, April 7th, both no recommends from Eric and Bruce. Wow. I, it's one of these movies, I guess, should I be glad that I skipped it? Maybe, I guess maybe I should be glad that I skipped. Well, no, Bruce is like, maybe I might like it more than the average yeah. person. This, this kind of depends on what you come in liking. I, I can see some people liking it a little bit more. I don't think anyone's going to love this movie though. That's the problem. Hmm. Okay, well, will anyone love this movie called How to Blow Up a Pipeline? Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Boom Talk. Today, teaching myself to make a homemade blasting cap. And if this works, it'll be step one in making our own improvised explosive. Might be headed to Texas for the winter. What's in Texas? This project. What kind of project? Try to stop the pipeline from being built on my property. Poisons the air, water. Damn, this place is sick. You guys cooking meth in here? You ready to start working? We have to show how vulnerable the oil industry is by hitting something big. Michael, what do you think the odds are we blow ourselves up? I don't really care. We could blow the pipe at the hilltop, keep the oil from leaking. You're not actually thinking. I'm not thinking about it. I'm doing it. What if y'all do structural damage? Structural damage is kind of the point. This is destruction of federal property. Terrorism. American Empire calls us terrorists, and we're doing something right. If you're seeing this, let those who profit from mass death know their properties will be trashed. Three, two, one. They will defame us and claim this was violence or vandalism. But this was justified. This was an act of self-defense. And it says here, here's a plot synopsis. Again, this movie is hits via neon. It hits theaters, your local theater and your local pipeline, maybe on, on Friday, April 7th. Here is a plot synopsis. Quote, a crew of young environmental activists execute a daring mission to sabotage an oil pipeline 
in this taut and timely thriller that is part high stakes heist, part radical exploration of the climate crisis. Running at 100 minutes, it's rated R. It's directed and co-written by Daniel Goldhaber, Haber or Goldhaber maybe. And I think he previously directed the film Cam. And it's based on the manifesto by Andreas Malm. Stars Ariella Barrer, Christine Froseth, Lucas Gage, Forrest Goodluck, Goodluck, Sasha Lane. So these, and Jake Weary. So these actors I mentioned, they are part of the eco-terrorists who take part in this to sabotage this pipeline. I believe it's out in Texas. It's a heist thrill. It's a thriller, action thriller, a little bit character-driven drama. Interesting to see what you think of this movie, Eric Holmes. Uh, this one I liked a lot. So you get the, you know, the group of people, uh, they want to blow up a pipe, a oil pipeline. Uh, they're, um, I guess what they want to do is not so much stop the oil pipeline, but just make it very expensive uh, for the people making the pipeline to where it's no longer financially, you know, doesn't make sense financially from to continue doing that, um, which I guess, you know, if, if that's what you want to do, that's a pretty good, uh, you know, pretty good way to go about it. Um, and as they're, as they're going step by step to, you know, eventually get to blowing up the pipeline, um, you keep doing, they keep doing flashbacks to all the main characters of how they got to the point to begin with. And it was a really good setup. Um, and I think it paid off really well. And liked all the characters, uh, Forrest Goodluck specifically um i really liked him in this and i looked up his imdb and he's like one of those guys that's been like in a bunch of stuff that i've seen but he he stands out a lot in this and it was him and i cannot remember the actor's name but she was the girlfriend in hearts beat loud and i liked her in that and i like her in this like pretty much so the entire sasha cast. lane sasha mm-hmm. lane plays theo so is that your that's what girl you're mentioning yeah. and is that yeah, that's oh yeah, her. yeah, that is her. Yeah, mm-hmm. she yeah, she's great in this. Um, pretty much everyone's great in this. Um, and the you know, the setup, uh kind of you know, it does that thing where it sets up the stakes as it goes, kind of like uh, Rafifi we've mentioned before, like Rafifi sets up the stakes so when you finally get to the part that matters, then it matters, uh, which sounds stupid, but a lot of movies can't seem to pull that off and for reasons I don't quite understand, but uh this one does it quite well and yeah. I I liked it. Um I was um kind of behind the 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 you know air quote terrorist group. You know, I I liked you know the the reasons they were doing it seemed altruistic even though might be misguided uh from some people's perspective, but I never got the sense that uh they were doing it for selfish reasons. Although some were and they they uh definitely lean in on that at times. Um, yeah, it was just kind of a complete, it's like a political movie, but it kind of, uh, I thought it was really complete that it sort of, uh, explains all sides or, you know, um, gives voice to all sides, you know, even with people that might not agree with the way this group is going about doing things, but movie yeah, also, it, it is a really good movie. Movie also stars Ariella Barrer and she deserves a lot of credit too. She plays Soshi, her 
I believe her mother passes away in this movie and it's her, um, her life is affected by that. You see how each person's life is affected. Like Eric says, there are some flashback flashbacks for each of the characters, but she deserves some extra credit because she is also one of the writers of how to blow up a pipeline. Bruce, your take on the movie. I like this movie quite a bit too. And I, I kept thinking as I was watching this movie that every so often you get one of those movies that at the time you don't know it, but it ends up being a movie that's full of about all the stars that you know, like 10 or 15 years later. Yes. Like the, out, the Outsiders or something like that. Uh-huh. This feels like one of those movies. Uh-huh. I could totally see us in 10 or 15 years going like, oh my gosh, they were all in that movie. Because with such a kind of a pretty big ensemble cast, I would say there's legitimately a minimum of four to five people in here could become stars for sure. And I, I was having the same exact, I was like nodding right along with Eric when he mentioned, you know, was it a uh, good luck? I was like, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Uh, Sasha. Yep. Mm-hmm, yep. Great. And I thought uh, uh, Ariella was great too. And she's kind of the lead in this, but they're all kind of leads. And a couple yeah. of things I will echo from Eric is that they do the little flashbacks in each one. And when they started that pattern, I'm like, Oh, this is going to be, 70% flashback and 30% pipeline to heist or whatever you want to call it, you know, like heist episode. But really it isn't. It's like, it's like the reverse of that. Each of those flashbacks are pretty short. So they do some really lean storytelling to let us very quickly know the stakes for each of these characters and let you understand why you have this kind of really disparate group of people too, right? Like, why do you have this apparently redneck dude hanging out with these apparently like uh antifa types you know what i mean like because you kind of got all of the types in here but they let them have just enough to give them humanity and fuller characters and without saying what happens there are some really great misdirects in this movie too that i believe it's one of those movies where there's certain points you're gonna be like how are they gonna get out of this or how is this gonna get answered and i think they do a really good job of wrapping those up and i think it's very satisfying um this is a really, really good movie. I think if you can get beyond like whatever political stuff you bring to the table, because some people right out of the gate, and I've saw a couple people comment like, "I'm not going to watch this movie. I don't. I'm not behind this." I would say, okay, which is understandable, me, though, right, Bruce? That that is understandable. in a way. And I was thinking about that. Like, how would I explain this to somebody who's like out of the gate against politically against just the idea of that title, right? And I thought to myself, like, wait, wait, you watch heist movies all the time. Do you just not watch them because someone's robbing something? I mean, that's immoral, right? Probably more immoral because it's not even justified. It's just for pure greed, usually. But usually all heist movies show you, like, why Joe is going in there and why is this other guy going in there? Like, this guy's in debt to the mob or this guy is, you know, just came out of prison and he has no way to get back on his feet or whatever the reasons are, right? If you think about it in that basic thriller aspect, you don't necessarily have to buy into their causation. You just have to understand it. Now, if you buy into it, may, it might make it even better for you. But that would be my th- reason to say, give it a try. Bruce, I, I want to mention, yeah, Eric. Yeah. Oh, oh, I was going to Go point out that uh, the one of the main things that kind of adds to the tension of this is that they don't want to be murderers. They don't want to be yes. as bad as the people that, that they're, uh, you know, the oil companies are going against. So a lot of the tension comes from someone's near the pipeline that shouldn't be there. And if they stay there, they're going to die. And so they need to kind of go off script a little bit to get them away from the pipeline, which to- which could totally throw a wrench in everything. Yep. And so mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of that pipe or that kind of tension in there. And the uh, flashbacks, the flashbacks usually follow, uh, for lack of a better term, a jump scare. 
And then so you get the jump scare and then you get their history and then it comes back to that jump scare and then it just kind of adds a little a little, a little tension. tension yeah. To yeah. It. yeah. 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 It, it adds actually validity, like you were saying, with a jump scare, which is very, that's a good point, Eric. Oh, look, I'm going to mention their names. Ariella Barrera, Christine Froseth, Lucas Gage, Forrest Goodluck, Sasha Lane, Jamie Lawson, Marcus Scribner, Jake Weary. There are eight names I just mentioned. All of these characters are fully developed within 104 minutes. Hard to do hard to do i remember and bruce what you were when you're mentioning about this american graffiti thing and how it, they're going to be popular and whatnot after watching this movie i thought i'm going to name drop again director brian singer i saw him me and my buddy used to be friends my buddy used to be friends with brian singer we saw brian singer at a screening before the usual suspects and he was talking about the movie we go right into the movie we watch it and i thought wow all of these actors in the usual suspects including verbal, they're going to go far. They're going to have amazing careers. And each of them in their own way have had very distinct careers. I feel the same way you do, Bruce. I think this is a star making situation for all of these actors. Now, will they become a plus 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 stars? I look, I will say all of these eight actors will be just thanks, partly thanks to this movie. This is going to be a launching pad for each one of them. And they're going to each do have distinct careers. I, I just, Oh. Um, I love you. Yes, Eric. Hopefully none of them end up where Kevin Spacey and Brian Singer ultimately did, but I take fair. your point. <laughs> fair, 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 fair. Okay. But anyways, how do, yeah. So the, as a thriller, it works as a character driven drama, it works. It's just a very interesting film. Let's go, Eric or Bruce, you have final comments before we get to our ratings for how to blow up a pipeline theaters, April 7th. I would say just give it a shot. And I think this uh, is a lot more thoughtful than you think it might be. All right. Very good, Eric. Your rating on how to blow up a pipeline. Oh, goodness. This is, I'm giving it a four and a half. This could be a five on a rewatch. Okay. Very good, Eric Holmes. Bruce Berkey, your rating on how to blow up a pipeline. Exactly the same. Four and a half could become a five, but it's four and a half for sure. Yeah, I'm giving this movie 6.9 stars. I'm kidding. I'm going to give this movie five stars. <laughs> okay, Eric, you can put 6.9 stars there. But I'm going to say five-star banger for me. This is one of my favorite films easily this year, How to Blow Up a Pipeline. I am just so excited that you guys are giving it four and a half with room. You guys are both saying with room to grow. I'm just excited that I'm going to pat ourselves on the back a little bit. We have this little early sneak feeling about this movie and i have a feeling if it has the right marketing and this movie will have momentum a lot of momentum behind it hopefully if they get past the whole title and the whole plot about it and they if they look at it as sort of an engaging first-rate thriller and then go from there maybe they might this movie could really reach very good places so how to blow up a pipeline four and a half from bruce and eric five-star banger for me wow i'm so excited that's that's it. I, I I want to end the show just just based on how that movie <laughs> we're walking. is. We're walking. We're walking. We're, okay. So Eric Holmes and Bruce they also saw they saw a documentary this week which I haven't got, gotten to but it's getting pretty solid reviews. It's called Living with Chucky. Eric, you're going to commandeer this segment because you did an interview with the filmmaker. Can you tell us about that and then and then your overall take on Living with Chucky? What's it about and your thoughts on it? Yeah. So it's uh, uh, directed by. Uh, Kira Gardner um, this is basically a, a documentary about 
uh, the making of all the, you know, the Chucky franchise in general. And it's kind of, uh, it's kind of a documentary you would expect it to be. But I think where this goes above and beyond is in the last half hour. And I didn't want to say too much about it last week, um, but it's out now. And I don't think it's much of a spoiler, but I think this is kind of, I kind of got to mention it because I think this is a selling point. Um, Because some people might be like, oh, yeah, the Child's Play movies are fine. Um, Don't know that I want to see a documentary about it. This, in the last half hour, because Kira Gardner, you find out, uh, I didn't know this going in, but uh, she's the daughter of Tony Gardner, who's a special effects artist and who worked on a bunch of the Chucky movies. And uh, Kira Gardner knows a bunch of the people that she's interviewing. So then it becomes less of a, uh, you know, just kind of nameless, heartless documentary about the making of the Chucky movies. And it becomes more of a, a love letter to all her friends and family that all just happen to work on this one thing. And it, it kind of becomes really sweet in a way. And I think a lot of uh, horror fans are would kind of be drawn to something like this to begin with. But I could also see non-horror fans like, man, what what is it about horror movies? I just can't get into them. I think if they watch Living with Chucky, and especially in the last half hour, I think they might be able to turn a corner. Maybe they wouldn't, you know, maybe they still wouldn't like watching horror movies. But I think for people that aren't a fan of horror movies, I think something like this might have been put in front of them to say, you know, to show, show them something to where they'd be like, oh, I get it now. I, I understand where this love comes from now. Because it, it comes through loud and clear in this. But yeah, the 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 whole documentary is pretty good. Actually, the whole documentary is really good. But that last half hour, I think, is when you get, you know, it kind of goes above and beyond what documentaries like this usually are capable of. And just kind of gives it that extra push, I think. Speaking of push, the cast members, the cast of this documentary include Abigail Breslin, of course, Brad Dourith, Kristen Elise McCarthy. David Kirshner, Don Mancini, Fiona Dorff, just a whole bunch of different people. Lynn Shea. John, John Waters. John, John Waters has a great story about okay, being so, on the set with Chucky. Very, very cool. Bruce, your take on living with Chucky. I'm sure this is right up your alley as well. Yeah, yeah. I think this, um, I kind of agree with Eric. Like the first two thirds, three quarters is pretty standard, you know, Chucky documentary, kind of by the books, you know, beginning to end chronologically it's not it's not breaking any boundaries but if you're a chucky fan it's going to be really interesting and if you're not it's still pretty interesting because you get to see all the puppeteering and hear all the interesting inside stories Uh, but i think that last half hour or so does elevate it a bit i don't know if it elevates it enough to really change the score a ton but i think it's solid either way i do want to call out that i also love the fact that tony gardner the dad of the director holds a special place in my heart because he animated the half zombie woman in Return of the Living Dead, which is one of my favorite, probably special effects right up there with the thing, like one of my favorites of all time. So he's pretty awesome special effects guy on top of that. But yeah, it's a a solid documentary for sure. Bruce, do you agree with Eric, the fact that there is crossover potential for people who aren't a not Chucky fan or the Chucky fans or maybe indie horror enthusiasts? If they can get to that last part, I think I have a problem because I think that's why him telling us a little bit about it is good. Because if someone who's not a big fan hears it ahead of time, they might stick with it. Because I think if they just came in cold, if they dropped into it at all, they would probably get a half hour and go like, oh, well, it's just about Chucky. I don't care about this. You know what I mean? Like, so you have to kind of let them know that. Otherwise, I don't think they'll get to that point. But uh, I think if they do, I I agree. I think that um, 
maybe people who think that, oh, there's just weirdos doing evil, gross stuff. If they have kind of that attitude, they might understand a little bit better, like why horror fans are kind of really loyal and actually not too scary as people in general. So, yeah. I also think that uh, the, I, I mentioned that uh, the story that John Waters t- tells about Chucky, you know, the the puppet Chucky. Um, and then, and then afterwards, they kind of lean into that a little bit of the artistry behind the puppetry. Because you think, oh, someone, you know, the people working the things, uh, the the eyes and the arms. But when you when they break down, like how many people need to control one doll, and they all need to work in unison to make that bring that thing to life. And and I'm sure the same could be said for like a, you know, the gremlins or uh, Muppets or any any sort of puppet, like when you can bring it to life that much, you almost take for granted how many people need to be working in sync for that to work. And the fact that they do that just as a one-off that will never be filmed. And had John Waters not been interviewed about that specific thing, no one would have even known that. It was just something that the puppeteers did for him in that moment. But it speaks to the the artistry and the the talent behind puppetry, I think. Okay, so... What is your, you know what, Eric, how was, how did the, your interview with Kira go? Your, the whole talk. I'm going to, I'm going to actually put that interview on the tail end of this podcast. Yeah. So people. Yeah. It's, uh, she was real sweet. It, it was good. And uh, she even, uh, my, uh, my nephew loves the Chucky movies. So I had to have him ask a question on there and uh, she was quite gracious enough to answer it. And <laughs> yeah, it, it was good stuff. Um, not, not quite as good as the documentary, but I tried my best and had nothing to do with, uh, Kira. She was great. Sorry about that. Okay. So that is very cool. You're going to actually see the interview, not see, uh, you're going to actually listen to the interview after this podcast. So check out living with Chucky, Eric, it's available right now on digital platforms. Is that, is that how it goes for living with Chucky? Yeah, it's available now streaming. I don't know. I think I give this, uh, probably four stars. It's kind of again it it starts off pretty basic but that that last half hour just kind of elevates it a lot for me okay four stars for eric holmes what is your rating bruce on living with chucky i'll go four stars too i think it's really charming i think it's great okay so check it out on digital living with chucky check out eric holmes is eric has been doing so many freaking interviews i mean uh, you know bruce and i will probably never do interviews ever, ever again eric are you okay just doing all the interviews from now on because I'm, I'm tired i, I just want to sit back and uh and, and watch succession and watch stone cold all over again so are you okay with that doing yeah, all the rest of stuff? yeah i suppose i, could, I, suppose I can do that <laughs> okay thank you because i have a lot of more brian bosworth movies to get to and you know time's a ticking and i'm, I'm getting to you know <laughs> I'll, doing, I'll, I'll let you do all the brian bosworth interviews <laughs> <laughs> okay so that is the first rate documentary living with chucky four stars from both bruce and eric available now on digital i'm going to go very quickly on two films that i recently saw maybe a couple actually yeah, not recently maybe a couple of weeks ago i saw one movie last week and i saw a movie about several weeks ago long lead on this this is a movie called joyland and it's a film that comes out two two ways april 7th friday in new york but then also April 21st in Los Angeles. So there's going to be two, maybe who knows what we're going to do because we're, we're going to have a lot of movies to cover in the next couple of weeks. I want Joyland to be covered by both Bruce and Eric when it hits Los Angeles on April 21st. But on Friday, it comes out on April 7th. Joyland, it's set in Pakistan and it's quote, here's a synopsis I'm reading from the press release. The debut feature from writer-director Saim Sadiq 
Joyland explores the many sides of love and desire in a patriarchal society. Essentially, it centers on a family living in Pakistan. The main character is Hader, played by Ali Junehu. He lives with his wife, his dad, and he's basically been a house husband for, for since getting married. And he's pretty much the dutiful son. His His other brother is more successful than he is. He finds his calling by actually being part of a stage production, a local theatrical stage production. And what happens when he gets a job, then his wife, who had a calling as working as a, as a, I think a hair, a makeup person, she had a, a makeup artist and hair design, hair doing cosmetics and everything. And she was, I think it was I'm trying to remember the movie. She was, yeah, doing, doing makeup. She was very, his wife was the responsible one in the family. But what happens is it's a patriarchal society. So essentially what happens is Hader, he, he gets a job in the theater and then his wife has to actually go back home and not work anymore. And it looks at the dy- dynamics is what happens when this situation shifts within this family in Pakistan, in specifically Lahore, Pakistan. We have to also have to mention Alina Khan plays a, is quote, a, a strong-willed trans woman named Biba. And Alina Khan is ex- excellent in this movie. This movie is, has re- received a, t- a ton of uh, awards internationally recently. I think in actually last year at the Khan Film Festival, Joyland won the Uncertain Regard Jury Prize. So this movie has a lot of heat behind it. I am surprised. Look, no disrespect to Oscilloscope, but I laboratories, but it sucks that it's only going to be playing in New York at the Film Forum, Forum on April 7th. I hope Eric and Bruce see this by the 21st because it'll be playing at Los Angeles at the landmark Newark. And it is, we're talking about one of my favorite films is How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Joyland is also a top five for me. I love Alina Khan's performance fantastic performance by her and you get you're actually going to listen to my interviews with the cast members for our sister brother podcast uh find your film this week as well so that is joyland very it's one of those movies that it's 127 minutes but it's a first rate family drama that is very uncompromising and i hope this movie has a lot more heat even though it got a lot of love over in con i wonder I hope it gets a little bit of heat when it comes out in the U.S. and maybe when it comes out on digital and streaming. Just remember that name from Pakistan. The movie is called Joyland. I don't. I actually, my second movie this week is a film that I protected Bruce and Eric from seeing because the movie is called One True Loves, and it's it's a romantic comedy about not a romantic comedy, a rom- romantic dramedy about a woman who has two loves. One Love is played by Luke Bracey from, I think Eric liked Luke Bracey from that Point Break reboot. I, I think you actually liked that Point Break re- reboot. Yeah. He was a lead in that film. Yeah, Luke Bracey plays a, her husband, the woman's husband, and he was missing for years. And then suddenly he pops up out of nowhere. He's not dead. And the lady is played by, the woman is played by Philippa Sue, and her character is off to marry Simu Liu, actor Simu Liu. Liu, and so they're supposed to get get hitched and get married, but the problem is there's another the love, the guy who's dead is back, and so what happens is Philippa Sue's character has to choose between the guy she thought who's dead, who is her husband, and the guy she's about to marry, played by Simu Liu, and the movie is directed by Andy Fickman. I've interviewed Andy Fickman as well. One True Loves for me, by the way, Joyland for me is a five star banger. One True Loves, I like romantic dramedy comedies, and it hit me right. Right in the, you know what? This is a three and a half out of five. I actually saved you guys from seeing it because I don't know if it would have been a movie that either of you 
would have dug. I, I know definitely Bruce, you wouldn't liked it. Maybe Eric, you might've liked it because you like the snowy day in Oakland. You have more of a, a, a flexible, a no heart. disrespect. I have a heart. I'm trying to say I have a heart. So you're trying to say I don't have a heart. I'm the yeah, Grinch yeah. of the group. <laughs> no, no, I, I didn't say that, Eric. Did. Bruce but is uh, a yeah, so that's bastard. Yeah, uh, yeah. So those are the two movies. Cold, Joel, stone Cold. Heart. <laughs> but uh, one true. Okay, so that's Joyland, April seventh, and then hopefully we'll talk about it again in a couple of weeks. And then for One True Loves, hits theaters April seventh, Friday, April seventh, and then on digital April fourteenth, and on demand. April 21st, Andy Thickman you might, is the director. You might know him from the movies, The Game Plan, but She's the Man, a bunch of other movies. I've always, and I've always enjoyed his movies. They're just light, fluffy entertainment, and he was a really great interviewee. So that is it for me. What else? We have a couple more featured, Bruce. What, what else do you have on the docket as far as, oh, Bruce, Sam Now. You were the first person to watch Sam Now, I've been blubbering and blabbing for the last seven minutes. What is Sam Now about? It's in theaters in New York and L.A. starting Friday. Sam Now. So Sam Now is a documentary directed by Reed Harkness. And uh, as I was watching this, I was thinking like, oh, we this is the second documentary we've seen recently that has a, a like a whole family involved where one of the family members is making the documentary. And the other one we saw was uh, Bad Axe. But Bad Axe took place over, what, about four years? And I think this one takes place over about 20 years. <laughs> so that's what's kind of uh, interesting about this. But it starts out with um, Reed, and he's basically Sam now. It's, he's focused on his little brother, Sam. Um, and Sam's Sam has a different mom. For, or no, uh, Reed has a different mom than Sam. And Reed's quite a bit older. Uh, and you find out very quickly in the documentary that at a young age for Sam, his younger brother, when his younger brother was, I don't know, about, was he about 12 or something? Yeah. Um, the mom just literally disappears. Like she doesn't say she's leaving. She doesn't say I'm divorcing your dad. She doesn't say anything. She just is gone. And all through this, Reed has been kind of like young Spielberg or something, right? Like the filmmaker, people who love film and want to make their own films, they're always making these little films with their brothers and sisters and friends and stuff from the early age. And Reed, the director of this, has been doing that for his whole life. So Sam has been in all of his movies. And as his brother starts to grow older without a mom, he actually starts interviewing him and talking to him about that. And uh, he has other siblings, too, that have been affected by this. Uh, but the main thing he's really thinking about is Sam and like, how is Sam going to deal with this? And they come up with the concept of, let's go and find our mom, because no one knows and no one seems to be talking about it in their family. He says, let's go find our mom and let's film it and let's make a documentary out of this. And that's kind of uh, where this kind of kicks off dramatically. Uh, but I will say one other thing I'll say about this movie is you have certain documentaries like this where there's a mystery to be solved. And usually you feel like you're getting close to solving the mystery by the last 20 minutes but this one, I felt like we were getting ready to solve the mystery, like in the first half hour. So this is one of those movies where I definitely was going like, where else is this movie going to go? Part of what's interesting about this movie is where it goes. I'll just leave it at that. Eric Holmes, your take. Yeah, uh, just to kind of piggyback off that. Um, where this goes, I'm not you know, not going to give give that up, but um, this kind of uh, does the thing opposite of what M. Night Shyamalan does. Uh, where M. Night Shyamalan just builds and builds to the twist at the end. 
this basically solves it like pretty early on, maybe about the halfway point. And then, so the rest of it is the fallout of what they find out about, about his mom. And, um, yeah, this is, this is really good. And they really dive, dive deep, not only into what happened, but also why the family doesn't talk about it. You know, they don't come up with any answers, really. Uh, the answers are, you know, for uh, psychiatrists, I guess, to figure out. But there's, uh, yeah, there's, uh, once once you get to what happened to the mom, that's not the end of the story. I, I think the real story is the fallout and how the how the family is able to uh, cope with it, overcome it, um, what they feel about it. And this is very, yeah, very, very interesting and Actually, Bruce mentioned bad acts. Like, this probably make a good double feature with that because they both have a lot of similar DNA to them. Maybe, actually, maybe not a double feature because that could be a bit. That'd be a uh, lot. <laughs> that, that'd be a little heavy, but in, you know. Stone Cold right between them. Yeah. So watch, watch <laughs> bad acts, then watch Stone Cold as a palate cleanser, then get to uh, uh, Sam Now. Yeah, Sam Now, even though the that's the name of the documentary. Could have all the documentary could have also been called the Harkness family because it's basically focuses on, even though it focuses on Sam, the other members of the family are given their due. They have their share. I mean, not like Bruce was saying, it's over 20 plus years of coverage from video footage yeah. from Reed Harkness, who is a filmmaker. Right. And we, we forgot to mention that Jared Harkness is also the brother of Sam. So basically both, Jared and Sam deal with the disappearance of their mother in a different way. And you, you see how it plays out. And one of the themes of this movie is how do you approach tragedy? Do you approach tragedy inwardly, meaning you deal with it yourself? Or is it something that you expose the love, your loved ones to, like try to work it out together in a nurturing communal fashion? So it's very interesting. Those kind of that topic is broached in this movie as well. We don't want to give too much away regarding Sam now regard it's yes it is like Bruce and Eric was saying it's a mystery that's solved about halfway in but the good thing is the other half is just as interesting as the beginning and you might be thinking dear listener dear watcher that Sam now because it's based on 25 years plus of home movies that I don't want to watch it all like all this like 90 plus minutes of home movie stuff well the way it's edited and put together Never a boring moment for me regarding Sam now. There are moments of resonance as well. It's a movie that, for me, stuck its landing. I don't know about you guys. Eric, let's start off with your rating, final thoughts on Sam now. Yeah, uh, I like this one a lot. Uh, It's probably four and a half. I don't know why I'm having trouble giving five stars, but I'll go four and a half on this one. Um, Also, it should be mentioned that this is also a lot funnier than maybe we're giving it credit for. uh, Because a lot of... uh, a lot of the documentary is them making the what was it the, the blue panther. Sam one, Sam two, Sam three. It's like the Blue Panther movies. Yeah, blue Panther, yeah. Uh, like Sam's just a, a weirdo, and he's fun to watch. And so there's there's a lot of levity in this as well. Um, it's sweet, it's dark, it's messed up, and it's all that stuff. Probably should give it a five, but I'll give this a four and a half as well. Seeing generational trauma, seeing also how Sam progresses as a human from kid to it's like watching boyhood almost from kid to adult through this movie. That's only like 90 or so minutes. This could have been a three hour movie. I would have watched it. But I mean, look, that's cool. 90 plus minutes. 
There's yeah. also stuff that this documentary did that I wish St. Omer would have had. And I can't mm. get into it much more than that without giving things away. But yeah. that this is like the good version of St. Omer, but not at all. In Saint Omer. Well, I love, love that St. Omer reference. Thank you for that. Bruce, your final thoughts and rating of Sam now. Um, yeah, I will give it four and a half as well. And I would just also highlight, I think that what this movie does, it's really, really valuable for all people but especially people who tend to be super judgmental or tend to kind of stick their foot in the mud and be like, this is, this is what I think of a person. And this is where I'm at with them done. This just shows you how time and context can really, there's a lot of gray area in life and things aren't as cut and dried as they seem. And this movie is a great, great job of showing that um, and showing you just how to be, I guess, more human, (laughs) you know, and less judgmental. Yeah, it's scary though. It, it's very because I'm not human, and seeing how things change. Well, you can movie. learn from this, Greg. So just watch this movie again. Now, come on. I will definitely. I am definitely learning slowly but surely, slowly but surely, and surely. Sorry, Leslie Nielsen for that. But uh, don't but call yeah. me surely. <laughs> right. Directed and co-written by Reed Harkness, four and a half stars from Bruce and Eric. I am also going to join the Cinematics Lemmings train with my rating of four and a half for Sam Now. it's I think it's a communal. Why didn't we give this movie five stars? That's sad. Look, even if we didn't give it five stars, we're strongly recommending Sam Now, which is available. Let me see if it's available. How is this available? It is available in New York and LA on April 7th, additional cities to follow. Yeah. I mean, this is a strong rating from all of us. I hope if you guys, if you love documentaries, if it's playing in your neck of the woods in the theater, yes, see this movie. So, and hopefully when it comes out on streaming, digital DVD, Blu-ray, whatever, this is a rewatch for me. Also, I love the, the grandmother. It's really cool. Grandmother's yeah. really cool. Very forgiving and understanding and, just beautiful film overall. So that's it. I think that's it. I think we're done. Are we done with all our reviews? Oh, wait. Oh, we got one. There's a movie called Assassin starring Andy Alo or Alu and Bruce Will Bruce Willis is in this and Dominic Purcell and the body swapping thing with the mind and there's a little insecting thing like that look like from that that um that that uh Tom Selleck movie Runaway. What's this assassin about, Eric? So this uh, assassin is, well, uh, as far as we know, this is going to be Bruce Willis's last movie. Um, And this is written by Jesse Atlas, Aaron Wolf, and directed by Jesse Atlas. And it's based on a short of theirs called Let Them Die Like Lovers. And so I saw Let Them Die Like Lovers, um, which is really good. And then this one started off that way, but it kind of... I'm not sure how to how to put. So we we talked with uh, Joe Russo about uh, Hard Kill, and you know Joe Joe Russo is I don't know how public he's been about it, but he's mentioned to me a couple times that it's like yeah that's a we had a version of this movie that wasn't at all like the Hard Kill, and you know by the way I loved it I loved Hard Kill sorry no yeah yeah and and I you know. I don't know what the common denominator is with these latest Bruce Willis movies. Um, I mean, clearly it's Bruce Willis, but I, I think there's something else going on because let them die like lovers as a short, like the story, you know, it's got, it's got a couple issues with it, but nothing real big, but the shorts really good, like uh, really good. And then, so assassin starts off and starts off very much like the short does. And I'm thinking, 
holy crap, this is, you know, that this is going to be pretty good. And then about the halfway mark, it kind of turns into one of the, the Bruce Willis movies that you've seen in the last couple of years, um, which, you know, have their fans, but I think this movie wanted to be more. And I don't know, I don't know what went wrong and I can't put my finger on where this kind of went off the rails for me. Mm. uh, This is real frustrating to talk about because like there's, there's, Parts of there's parts of this movie that are really good, and then there's other parts where like uh, maybe if that maybe if that short wasn't so good, and maybe if the stuff early on was kind of like the last half, I would just kind of be able to sit back and enjoy it for a um, you know one of Bruce Willis's last couple movies. But th- this has like uh, this has fingerprints of greatness in it that it never quite achieves throughout. So it's really. I I don't know how to explain it. I, I feel like I I feel like I'm grading this on a curve that is unfair to the movie, but um, I will say uh, as far as positives go, um, Bruce Willis is actually in this movie. He doesn't feel like he's you know the the past couple movies it looks like uh, here Bruce sit in this chair and we'll cut to you going, what do you think? Yeah, you know, and they'll just kind of plug him in the movie like he's an actual character in this. Um, they have some really cool ideas. Uh, uh, one of the characters, they get in this uh, ice bath and their consciousness goes into someone else and they're able to use that as a disguise of sort to be able to assassinate someone, um, hence the title assassin. But there's just, there's something missing from this that the short had in spades that I can't fully recommend it. Mm. That said, I will recommend watching anything just Atlas does. And I hope I don't know if I don't know if it's the producers. I don't know what it is, but I see like great artists in Jesse Atlas, and I hope he gets to make uh, his movies going forward. And maybe, and who knows, maybe he did here. But I I feel like there's something missing because uh, you think of like an A student, they get a they got a B. You're like, ah, oh, you can do better than that. But like, if a D student gets a B, that's great. Jesse Atlas is like. In my mind, Jesse Atlas is the A student that got a B or a C here, and I know they can do better. Um, but I just don't know where the disconnect was. Um, Check out, yeah. I I would recommend uh, because Assassin is uh, streaming. I would recommend watching Assassin and then going back and watching uh, Let Them Die Like Lovers, the short, and then hopefully all all that will make sense. Everything I just said will make sense to you because I'm pretty much babbling at this point. But yeah, th- this movie didn't quite work for me. And What's your I rating? What's your rating on it? Uh, probably go to, I'll, I'll probably get two and a half because even though this didn't work for me, I think of the recent Bruce Willis movies, this is probably the best one. Granted, I haven't seen all of them because I think there's like 50 of them that came out in the last couple of years. But uh, this is definitely on the upper level of that, but that's not a high bar. And it's, it's a bar I'm pretty sure Jesse Atlas can clear with ease in the future. Yeah, so that is Assassin with Bruce Willis and Andy Allo, Allo or Allo, 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 Allo Andy Allo. Check out and, Eric's and by interview. The, and by the way, she's got she's uh, has uh, uh, music stuff. Like she's a musician. She's got some bangers as far as music goes, for sure. Check out Eric's interview with Andy Allo and Jesse Atlas on our Deepest Dream YouTube channel. I uploaded it a couple of days ago so you can hear more of an in-depth discussion on what Assassin is all about. Assassin came out. It's currently in theaters, came out last week. And so with the good news regarding that, it's currently available on digital. You can purchase it for, you can rent or purchase it 
over at whatever digital platform you use. I use Voodoo. I see Assassin here available for rent, $6.99 and to purchase $14.99. That is Assassin, two and a half stars from Eric Holmes. That is it. I think that is it. Right? Am I right, Bruce, before we get to your final stuff? Almost it? No, that's not it. Pete, Pete, I know. Pete Beta, I know you dropped that beat. You rocked that beat. Oh, I forgot. You even French that beat. Remove your hand from the box and you die. What's in the box? Pain. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys, we are back with that. I think Bruce sent me an email with a French version of so, of the, uh, what is it, the uh, rocking the beat Pete kind of thing. So we're back. <laughs> I had to drop that. Sorry. All right. We love you guys over at Middle Class Film Class. Yes, Bruce. I'll go fairly quick because the show's getting pretty long. But uh, my box movie from last week was Spare Parts. I don't think either of you watched Spare Parts, but I did. No, I didn't get that. Um, it is available on Tubi and a lot of other places uh, from 2000. Oh, I didn't write the year. Maybe you have it in front of you. I think I'll it's look it 2014 up. or 15. Um, or 16. Ah, one of those years. Uh, Sean McNamara, which I believe you had interviewed for another movie, if I remember correctly. Yeah, the Jonathan Rees Meyers mystery thriller. That Yes. Yes. You guys didn't like, but I loved. But Spare Parts, I think, is what he suggested as one of his movies that 2015. Uh, that people should see more. That he, yeah. like, he kind of feels proud about this movie, and it's a pretty good movie. Um, the basic concept, this stars uh, George Lopez, Jamie Lee Curtis has a small part, Marissa Tomei has a small part. And um, the basic concept of this movie is George Lopez goes into a new school. It's like a community high school in Phoenix. He's an engineer by trade, but he's kind of had, uh, for personal reasons, which you'll find out later in the movie, he's kind of had a career setback and he's kind of a little bit on the skids. So he's going to be this uh, substitute uh, teacher at this school for like three months. That's his kind of his goal. And then you kind of get one of these movies where you're like, okay, it's one of these movies where, you know, tough school teacher comes in, has to, you know, turn them around or whatever. Like one of those kind of very formulaic things you've heard a lot about, right? And, okay, I guess the first thing I would say about this movie is, you know how you see a romance movie or a romantic comedy, and it's like, this has all of the steps I expect in a romantic comedy. It's not going to break all the rules, but it does it really well. This is one of those movies in this category. It doesn't totally surprise you in like all the aspects, but what it does, it does really well. And what basically happens is, uh, there's a young man, um, and I wrote down his name... Oh, I'm going to be feel bad. I didn't write his name down. Oh, Oscar, played by Carlos uh, Pena Vega. Uh, he is like this ROT, ROTC kid, right? And it starts out with him, and he's going to join up the army. That's been his goal forever, is to join the military. And he is not documented. He cannot do that. In fact, the guy who's uh, recruiting him says, you better just turn around and walk away and hope they didn't notice that you came in here, because if they find out you tried to do this undocumented, they're going to come and get you, and you're going to get sent back. So he immediately goes back to school. He doesn't have any direction. And he finds out there's this competition. It's basically underwater robotics competition where you have to compete against MIT and all these other, you know, big tech schools. And you have to build a robot that has to go underwater and has to essentially do all of these tasks underwater. You know, it has to go into a fake sub and disarm a missile and do all these things, right? And you have to do it in a time limit. And depending on how you do, you get a bigger point. So he has to basically, under the tutelage of Lopez, his character, which is Freddy, he has to gather a team of misfit kids and 
try to do okay in this competition to at least beat one school. That's their goal. Beat one school. Cause they're just some little high school and they're going to be going against all these schools that have money. And that's the other thing. That's the spare parts. Obviously they're not going to have the money of all these other schools. They're not gonna be able to get the high end cameras and the high end, like robotic propelling systems and all the, the brain of this thing. And, and so it's kind of one of those, you know, how are these kids going to make it work? What are the, the personalities of all these kids and the ups and downs that they, they encounter as they go. And it's based on a real story. So like any movie like this, one of the most satisfying things is right when you get to the end, you get to see all of the real people and you get to hear what happened after the facts that you see in this movie. Uh, this is crowd-pleasing, very satisfying. You know, you have to kind of let your cynical side go. I know Bruce lets the cynical side go. I know it's kind of hard to believe, <laughs> but you have to kind of let your cynical side go. You have to go like, you know what? Do I like the characters? Am I enjoying the story? Am I interested? And I would say, yes, yes, yes. So I enjoyed this throughout. Were you Before, surprised you enjoyed it, Bruce? Yeah, because this is, okay, this is the movie that could easily veer like into full schmaltz. And I don't think it does. I think it has just enough edge. And I think part of that is probably because of the reality of it, that there was real people that actually existed in this world. So I think they maintained enough of that reality that it kind of kept me along. And I was also very happy that like the Marissa Tomei character and the Jamie Lee Curtis character are merely very, very, very side characters. It's basically George Lopez and these kids. That's the movie. And I think they worked really, really well. It's a good movie. This is, if it's you, I mean, you can see it easily. I'd say, uh, especially if you have, you know, kids or you're just feeling like a good family movie night, no brainer. It's great. Okay. That is spare parts. Your final, your rating on it, Bruce. Four stars. I think it's really, really good. Hello? hello? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Four stars. Four star Four Bruce. Star. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> I thought my, I thought I, I thought I was going to surprise everyone with my rating on Stone Cold. This is just as surprising, if not more. Four stars for spare parts from Bruce Sperky. Now, before we go. Bruce Perky's got to shake the box, right? Do we shake the box? I Where we do. Go? Yeah. got to shake the box. What's in the box, in the Bruce? bleeping box, Bruce. Ooh, shake that box. Yeah. Oh, Bruce. Shake the crap out of the box. All right. I did. I shook it. Uh, okay. I think Greg or maybe one of you talked about this not too long ago. As suggested by, and this is going to, I know Eric's going to know this name. Aikarapatian. I don't know how to say that guy's name. Aikarapatian. Thank you. Point Blank by John Borman. I have never seen Point Blank. Wow. Aikarapatian really. Oh, okay. Well, Anderson and I covered it for a past Patreon. That's what it was. I knew just recently I'd heard someone, one of you guys talking about it. And Anderson did not like that movie whatsoever. Directed by John Borman. Wow. Well, I like John Borman, even when he's doing things that are kind of weird. I usually enjoy the audacity of his stuff, and I think I'm going to be interested in this movie. Yes, Point Blank. Again, it stars Lee Marvin, Angie Dickinson. Should be an interesting watch. Just recently saw it. Actually, Eric, you might be interested in that movie as well. Very interesting movie. But again, I, Eric, what was your pick for next week again? What was the name of that movie? Johan Johansson? What was the last, first, first and last? Last and first men. Yeah, last, last and first, first men. So we have a lot of stuff to cover. Before we go, you want to mention a couple of things to plug? Eric Holmes. Yes, actually, sir. Maybe I should pick one of the A-Care Patreon movies other than the... <laughs> we saw Squeal, but all his other movies are great, too. But yeah, uh, yeah. so um, I got a screener for a movie, Summoning Sylvia, uh, that starts streaming this Friday, uh, April 7th. But there were some uh, some issues. Um 
And so I was not able to review it this week. Maybe I'll be able to review it next week, but uh, we'll we'll see what happens. It, it looks like a, it looks like a kind of fun whodunit murder and mystery type thing. Um, haven't mm-hmm. seen it yet, so I don't know. But the trailer looks fun. And also coming up uh, at the end of this month, and I believe it's in New York. There's a tenth old school kung fu fest. It says Sword Fighting Heroes Edition. Uh, you can go to subwaycinema.com to get more information on that. But uh, we'll probably be bringing up that here in the coming weeks. So that'll be fun as well. But yeah, uh, uh, certainly check out Summoning Sylvia uh, coming out this week. Uh, maybe check out the trailer, see if it's something you'd like. And with luck, I will be reviewing that next week we'll see what happens okay that's cool we're gonna just expect a lot of hung i mean just a lot of diff what is it kung fu karate what is jujitsu what kind of just all this kind of asian cinema in the next several weeks right right eric yeah, yeah it's uh kung fu which I, honestly like i watch a bunch of like uh, ninja movies in the 80s watch a bunch of action movies but like the kung fu is a certain kind of uh subgenre of the action genre that i'm not as familiar with as a lot of people are so this will be a good learning experience for me for sure and before we go, if you want to just continue to this conversation with me, Bruce and Eric, there we have wonderful cinematics group members who do daily movie recommendations. So join us over at the cinematics Facebook group, become part of the community for daily movie recommendations and overall just discussions. Peter beta, the, that wonderful Peter beta is a part of it as well as his cohorts, uh, Joseph Navarro and Tyler Noe over at middle-class film class. We got movie bears podcast, uh, who, who William Lindis from William uh, movie bears podcast, a lot of podcasters there and a lot of cinephiles, our buddy, my buddy Cole Haddon is on it. So many different people. And of course, let's not forget Mitch Burns over at the Hollywood persona. And of course, the, the Mitch Burns, the he Mitch Burns. He especially likes it when you call him the, Oh, really he does, does he? Oh, he, no, hates, he? No, he hates it. He hates it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I believe he prefers bitch Burns over the Mitch Burns. I'm just going to go. I, I think, I think if you lean into it long enough, eventually it'll go from, I hate it to now. I love it. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Mitch Burns is a triple threat because he works with the crew of the film vault. He has his own podcast called the Hollywood persona and also the film Walters. So look out for all these wonderful podcasters and artists over at cinematics, Facebook group as, as well as us trio here over at cinematics as per usual, final thoughts from Bruce Berkey. I'll do a final call out to Mitch Burns as well, because he suggested the nominated short for documentary from last year called Haul Out, which you can find on YouTube and a variety of other places. Check it out. It's pretty cool. What makes it very cool is like, I think you mentioned some kind of twist or something that really got you. Let's just say, I don't want to tell you, but there's a reveal in this documentary short. There's a reveal at about the six minute mark. It's about a 20 minute short that is quite mind blowing. All right. Okay. If you want to see a mind-blowing documentary short, that's Haul Out, suggested by Mitch Burns. And we will see you here next week on Cinematics. Cinematics.